Welcome to the Courage is a Skill podcast, where we talk to main people about fear. Where has it helped us? Where has it held us back? And what role does it play in our lives? We are working to demystify fear through the power of conversation and community. Courage is a skill. Let's build it together. This episode is brought to you by Brave Fitness. Brave Fitness is a training system that extends beyond the gym and into other areas of life. We are working to overcome chronic stress, anxiety, and fear while building the strongest version of ourselves. Brave Fitness is a program that we at Courage is a Skill created, and you can find our free 30-day foundations program on the Apple App Store or at courageisaskill.com. We are at Courage is a Skill on Insta and Twitter as well. This episode is also sponsored by Sea Change Yoga. Sea Change Yoga brings scientifically proven trauma-informed yoga and meditation to people unable to access the powerful benefits of this practice. Teaching 24 weekly classes to people in correctional facilities, recovery centers, transitional housing, and also offering free classes to veterans. Because yoga is for everybody, yoga heals, and all people deserve the opportunity to find balance of mind and body. Visit seatchangeyoga.org to learn more. Sea Change Yoga, supporting the healing process for people who have been affected by trauma. Our guest today is Sarah Tangretti. Sarah is the founder of Leverage Events, which works to bring leading edge thinkers to Maine. Sarah is a visionary in every sense of the word, and yet she is one of the most down to earth, cool and genuine people that you'll ever meet. I hope that you enjoy our conversation on episode two of Courage is a Skill. So welcome to Courage is a Skill, episode number two. Mm. And number two. Yeah. And I'm so honored to have you here, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. Um, some people come into your life like a storm. Mm. You know, any of us in business, we get emails here and there that say, you should talk to this person. It's like, oh, cool. And you follow them up and... Every now and then, one of those emails leads to a relationship where you're blown away by the other person's mm-hmm. energy and vision. So getting to know you just in the past few months made me so inspired to want to share your voice and your vision with everybody through the podcast outlet. Mm-hmm. So Sarah Tangretti is amazing <laughs> and is also the founder of Leverage Events. And we're going to talk about leverage. We're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about it all. But to start, what is Leverage Events and, and what should folks know about you off the, off the get? yet okay I'm going to start with what leverage events is and and before I go there since you started um with how kind of how we met we met kind of through leverage events and our first thing that we were doing Mm -hmm. um my experience of meeting you was also just like this whole body yeah Mm -hmm. because um I've also been following you on Instagram and Facebook and and so Leverage Events was a vision for me, and a vision has a pull. And when I watch what you're doing, it is so clear that you are being pulled. And what I mean by that is it's not an uphill push. When you're following something that has meaning to you, mm-hmm. where you realize that you're bringing something useful to the world, and you know that it can make a difference, and when you've been in a dark place yourself and you needed the yeah. tools to get out of it, mm-hmm. and therefore you did the work for yourself and you want to bring that light to others, you have a pull. And so I've been watching what you're doing and I look at all the different people you're learning from and you're learning from the four thinkers, like the people who are on the edge. Yeah, and 
those are the people I'm interested in learning mm-hmm. from as well. And so I see you and I see you bringing that stuff to your community and people are loving it. And they're not loving it because you're forcing it on them. It's more just like, look what I'm playing with. This was so cool. I learned this. And there's a trickle-down effect from having people like you in our community um, where everybody who comes to train with you, they get all the benefits of you going out and learning from these other people and then putting it through your personal experience and into Mm -hmm. your personal journey. Um, So I want to thank you for doing what you're doing and and just also say that I am mutually inspired and really psyched to be here. Um, And leverage events. Yeah, I was sorry. I I did not know of leverage. I was so excited. And when you brought the first event, which was Brian McKenzie and Rob Wilson, I was blown away. I'm like, this is amazing. This is happening in the backyard. We had just... To give an example of, of the power of Sarah's work here in Maine, we had ju- we heard that Brian McKenzie and Rob Wilson were going to be in Virginia. So we're like, oh, snap, let's, we should be there. We jumped in a car and we drove to Virginia. Like, I don't think we thought twice about it, you know, because yeah. we're like, they're never going to come to Maine because right. it's hard to get. It's, it's hard, hard to get venues going on in Maine. I think that we, um, I think we have a really, really advantageous, beautifully early mm. scene here in Maine where in a couple of years... Um, it's going to feel really important to have been here right now. People want it. Yeah, 100%. People want it. So leverage events. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that it was a vision, and it was a vision that kept coming to me. And when I talk about a vision, I don't mean it to be like this ethereal thing where it only happens to a few people mm-hmm. and it's divine. We all have visions. We daydream. And you all think, oh, wouldn't it be cool if dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. Imagine if dot, dot, dot. And when the vision keeps occurring, I start to feel pulled. Mm -hmm. I start to feel like I don't have a choice in the matter, that I just have to follow it, even if I don't know the way. And I usually don't know the way. And I just have to take a step and take another step. And that is scary, right? Mm -hmm. But it just also feels like, well, I don't have a choice. So I'm just going to take this step. I think for anybody listening, (laughs) I think that there is such a beautifully powerful lesson in that. That when you watch somebody start something like leverage or any business, you assume that they had like this like structured step by step way. Like, no way, man! I just knew I, I didn't have a choice, so you I, stepped forward and stumbled and then listen, fall. Yeah, <laughs> listen. A big thing for yes. me was to hire help. Like I have yeah. always mm-hmm. done everything on my own, and I felt like that was a really powerful thing to do. Sure. And I was being financially <clears throat> smart, but I was playing small. And so yeah. right before the event, I hired on a friend who has thrown thousands, like put on hundreds of events Mm -hmm. and helps entrepreneurial women. This is her main thing. And she had said to me before it even started going, she's like, yeah, I've put on events, but usually an event is to help promote something else. You don't make money at events. I was like, well, this is my vision. So Mm -hmm. whatever the Excel sheets say, which I did do, um, this has to happen. And it may just be a step into something bigger that I can't see yet. you can't see yet. But it has to happen. So let me explain what Leverage Events is. I love that. Um, We bring uh, the leading edge thinkers to small cities. So it doesn't just have to be Maine right now. Mm. It's Maine. Because normally you have to travel to New York or L.A., at least in yoga. Um, Those are the two main cities that you're going to get it at. Or you go on these big retreats. And though that's wonderful. And mm-hmm. I used to be willing and love to travel anywhere sure, yeah. for anything. But I have a two-and-a-half-year-old now. Mm-hmm. And the life I used to live, which was um, I saw, you know, started seeing clients at 7 o'clock in the morning, was seeing them at night. I was booked out months. 
Mm -hmm. I had trainings I was teaching every weekend. I do yoga anatomy trainings and therapeutic trainings, and I traveled to do those. And that doesn't feel good with the family anymore. Mm -hmm. And I need to learn. And I think everybody needs to learn. Because if we're not growing, I think that we're shrinking. Yeah. There was a beautiful quote that's escaping me right now. But the idea that there is no, that there's only... It'll come to me at some point in the podcast, but it's exactly what you said, right? There's no neutral. You're either, it's either moving forward or it's dying. It's either it's, relationships are like that, businesses are like that. Yes. They're either growing or they're dying. Is the and world. you have to feed them, yes, right? You have, you to, have feed to feed them. them. So if I could have a hashtag for leverage, it would be shrink or grow. I love so that. So every That's time beautiful. you hit a situation, it doesn't mean like don't go into dark places, only be a mm-hmm. bright light. No, it means like, yeah, go into the dark and yes. then go deeper into the dark and go deeper and learn from it and grow from it and get the tools you need. And that's where your light comes there. from. That's where they are. Yeah. They're in those scary places and dark places. Right. The only place to get And in those yeah. places, you're making it. choices. Mm-hmm. And so leverage events, I say, like, let's bring in these thinkers who can help give us tools so that when we're in those places where it's shrink or grow, we have tools to choose to grow. I love that. And a big thing for me is that my next hashtag would be beyond the mat. Right? Yeah, because a practice is really important. A yoga mm-hmm. practice a hiking practice, uh, being in the gym, whatever your thing is, having something that is de- like, I'm going to use the word divine, but that like brings you into the present moment, that's mm-hmm. important. And that it's a practice, right? And it's a practice. That it's not something you're doing to beat yourself up, you're not no. doing it out of obligation. No. Every day you're developing just kind of the micro, yes. micro skills that make you... And you want those to skills to go into the rest of your life. Totally. And what I found with yoga is like, you can put your leg over your head and mm-hmm. still be... What it can is it to put on an a hole? <laughs> yeah. Still oh be a total God. jerk. We use that at the gym all the time. And We're like, oh, it turns out we thought doing all these deadlifts was going to make you really, really, really like respectful of others. Instead, yeah. didn't it? Just no. made you give you a bigger deadlift. Right. It was like one tool in this incredibly dense and wonderful toolbox. So, what are you doing the other ninety-seven yeah. percent of the time? Totally. When you're not on the mat, like when you're in traffic, when you're at the coffee shop, mm. when you have a really hard conversation to have with a parent or a friend or a lover. <laughs> And those are the tools that I want to bring forth. And I specifically don't want it to be just yoga, even though that's my background, right? Yeah. Because my background actually is in um, sports sports uh, performance as well. But mm. to bring in people who make us think about um, neurology and the energy systems and psychology and and do all of these in embodied ways. So most of leverage events will be embodied as well that makes I, I sense. really really love that and you know I think because you and I connected specifically around breath mm. and using tools that we have all the time we can't always go for a run we can't always do yoga we can't always do jujitsu or crossfit or anything but our control of our breath and our control over our emotional state yes. and state of being that's such a powerful thing to harness and develop yes. and it comes everywhere yes yeah, I love it so leverage so last thing I'll say about it is we get these tools And the other thing that happens, I'm guessing in the gym world, you can Mm -hmm. tell me, but definitely in the yoga world, is that there becomes competition between studios. And and that's necessary because everybody is, I don't know if it's necessary, it's everybody is trying to build a business that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so you want to set yourself apart. And and then to have anyone like Elena Brower this summer, her fee, which she deserves a thousand percent Mm -hmm. is so large that any one studio couldn't support that. So you got, you collaborate. So if I can find a neutral space, then everybody's welcome. And those owners of those studios, they're 
stoked to meet each other. Totally. And if they already yes. know each other, like nobody yes, wants yes. to go it alone. Like you probably want to talk to other gym owners who are like, yo, what's your process? What's working for you? What's not working for you? Like you want that space to be in community. You, yeah. God, it's so, it's so valuable. Like I, I've, I've never been part of like the startup or entrepreneurial community and, and running a business. I've had more exposure to that lately. And mm. I hear people ask questions like, you know, I'm going to start a podcast. What should it be about? Mm. I've never been able to understand business that way. Do you know what I mean? All you have are missions and driving forces. And so you're like, you know, I have to start a gym and figure it out. We'll start it Mm. in an office or a parking lot. And so when you are brought together with other people who have that that drive, you can't stay away from them. I love the the event that you held. It was one of the more unique um, atmospheres I've been part of where you Mm. had all of these tribes Mm. in one room becoming a new tribe together. You know, one thing that I think, you know, we've learned a lot in the past couple of years is just how tribal we really are. Like, we thought when we'd opened up a gym for runners that immediately all the runners would be there. And it was like, no, wait a minute. Runners run with runners. Crossfitters (laughs) crossfit with crossfitters. Yoga folks do yoga with yoga folks because we, you look the same and you talk the same language and it's comfortable. And then I walked into the, um, the first leverage event. And I'm like, there's this entire yoga contingency, and then there's the science, uh, scientists and medical community. There are concerned parents wanting better tools to deal with anxiety and stress mm. for themselves and their kids. There's the CrossFit folks who were there, the runners were there. It was such a beautiful unity in a new tribe. So my, um, my coach, Lacey Dion, was like, we, you know, it's really important that you get clear on who your ideal mm-hmm. avatar is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like... That's so big because you just named everybody, right? It's so right. diverse and that's what I want. But if I then had to take that, everybody who the, who's there is a seeker. Yes, that's so, so beautifully said. I love and yeah. when it was over, I thought that my whole body would be like, oh, that was awesome and relaxed. Uh-huh. But I, I found myself incredibly anxious. And what I found was that I thought that I had to like answer everybody's needs right and 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 if I was really clear on who I invited then if they were all 100% seekers then you met their needs at that event totally because a seeker because seekers Mm -hmm. don't like if you get what you came for or if it's nothing like you expected you will walk away with something a seeker will always walk away with something because they'll walk away with Oh, I liked how they, and it's not new information, but I liked how they presented it. Yeah. Or that was yeah. all new information, not what I expected. How am I going to apply this? So a seeker is always going to walk away being like, wow, and they I, will always learn something. I, I so love that um, explanation because like you come into an event like that and if you are a seeker, as you say, you, it, the event opened up a door and mm. within that door or that room, there's just there's magic to be found. You, mm. know? you can spend a lifetime exploring that one room. Mm. You know, then you open up another door and you go, oh my God, all of these practices are so dense and deep mm. and potentially magical that hopefully I'm sure that that event opened up a lot of doors for people. Yeah. And it's up to them to go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Totally. I was, it was really great. I was so fearful to ask some of my friends. I had people who traveled yeah. from New York and mm-hmm. Utah and, um, and a woman that I studied with in Costa Rica came yeah. up, and she lives and is actually part of Kerpalu, which is a huge education center mm. for yoga. <clears throat> and she came all the way up here for an educational event. Right. And I was like, oh, I was so, so scared to ask, like, well, what was it like for you? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, I have eight pages of notes. I have so many things beautiful, that, like... Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And just the different ways that we all interpreted 
be a lion, like choose to be the lion. Yes. We all interpreted yes, yes, it yes, slightly yes, yes. differently in a mm-hmm. way that was really powerful for each of us. So like, wow, all the different lenses that were in that room really, really and how beautiful. we took it in. Um, and it was also from, you know, watching the event. Um, there's a beauty into the different articulations. You know, if we have a basic idea around how breath influences the nervous system in the brain mm. and then hearing different thinkers and speakers articulate yes. it, yes. you're going to turn on lights that we couldn't have turned on without a varied narrative on yes, how we explain our own sense of agency over like state control and emotional state control. Yes. I love that. Yes. So, yeah, I, so when thanks I loved, for being a part of it too. I yeah, appreciate it. Like you were was, like, yeah, I appreciate it. That was it. amazing. Alex and I were so excited to be there and it was, it was a powerful, Thank it you. felt like it, one of the things I loved and I, I'm going to assume that a lot of the leverage events are going to have this feel is it felt like being on the verge of something really big. Mm. You know, well, you don't get to do that often. You don't get to be at the early punk shows, the mm. early days of hip hop. <laughs> yeah. You know, and everybody, you you know, the early days of CrossFit. Mm. Anything that was starting, and it started small, and everyone, it was it was new, it was exciting and magic, and it felt like an era was mm. beginning. And I think in many ways it is. Well, so for any of you guys who are also just getting to know David as well, he offered me... I don't know that it was advice, but it was a perspective. You said, you know, don't beat yourself up if it's not 150 feet people there. Like, if, if, yeah, (laughs) you said, if, like, because it's so new, because you're bringing things that are on, like, the breaking edge, Mm -hmm. not everybody's there yet, and they're not going to get the importance of breath until five years from now. And then they'll be like, wow. She brought thinkers about that yes. five years ago. Maybe I'll just check out this next event because I see now that they're they're on something ahead of time. There's a vision there, yeah. But even if they're not, just to be aware of like, yeah, this this is a space I'm choosing to play in. Mm. And so if it's not an, a hell yes for everybody, that's okay. That's beautiful. Because this yeah. is a space mm-hmm. I want to play in. Like yes. this is what yes. I want. Yes. And um, so Elena Brower is our next guest. And, and when is she coming? She is coming August 5th, which is a Sunday. Um, She already has a whole bunch of people signing up. I have not done any. I guess this is probably the first time I've publicly like Mm -hmm. mentioned her. I and and people are just she knows how to kind of like get right into the soul and the heart of you. Yeah. Even in a room, like she did something in New York. There are ten thousand people out in Central Mm -hmm. Park that she's teaching to, and she can reach everybody. And her, I'd say, like her ninja skill is helping us to get really honest. I love it. And if we can be really honest and learn how to communicate without projecting our fears or our insecurities onto other, but actually be able to hear them and then mm. speak from a place that is honest yes. as opposed to that a place that is fearful and mm. projecting it and blaming it, what type of relationships could we have yes. with ourselves and with the people around us? Um, she is so brutally honest about the work that she does and that she's done in her life that I appreciate that. I appreciate that she's open, that she sometimes has a temper and that, yes. she's, and that she's yes. had a temper yes. because in yoga, like we're all namaste. I, I wish peace for you. I'm peaceful in me, mm-hmm. but to be like, and sometimes I have a temper. I in fact, a temper that. is my natural way yeah. And I'm choosing to make changes. And here's where it showed up. Just to be like so, like That's really fantastic. honest. That's about so cool. It. You know, in in episode number one um, of the podcast, we're talking with Liz Walsh, and we're talking about the way that we can almost 
become invisible in a room because we're just kind of being parents. Mm. We're saying what's acceptable in that mm. room. We're making sure that we're not setting anybody off, and and all the really important worldviews that we can open each other's eyes to get simply suppressed. They just die off in this very very boring kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. head shaking, high five, yeah. and conversation. Yeah. So it's so nice to lose temper in a way that you have some agency over to say this is yeah. me i'm fiery at times i am pissed off at times you know yeah. that's who i am i love that and this is the work i'm doing because because we want to have the ability to choose mm-hmm. and when we're in temper we're usually not choosing yes yes you know? yes, yes so yes, it's just yes, like yes, yeah yes, this yes. is true this is my humanity i'm gonna let go here and I'm, yeah here here's how i'm working on on getting a little more um choice i love matter. that I love so that. she's coming and i'm like just so psyched um and I'm kind of working on my wish list right now, which is really also cool. fun. Um, so, yeah. Well, when we think about having choice and agency in stressful situations, I, when we look at fear as being something that can either kind of stop us or make us run, those are two states that it's really mm-hmm. hard to have high agency. I think we could almost talk about fear sometimes as being like, by nature, a seemingly low agency state. Or I'm frozen in place, or I'm fleeing and trying to get away. Mm. How is that reflected in business? Like starting a leading edge company like Leverage in Maine, what role did fear play in your early development? Mm. What place? What places was it a negative and it held you back? And I mean, what areas did it motivate you and like okay, really drive you? So, so fear to me mostly is useful. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's mostly useful. Um, <laughs> the sly. Just stretching. Um, Fear is mostly useful. Um, But I also think I say that because sometimes I'm not conscious of the way that fear is holding me back. Sure, yeah. And so that is where it's really helpful to have a coach or a friend or a foe. It doesn't matter. Like something that's a mirror that helps me Mm. to see, okay, actually it's holding you back here. Um, So so the first year and a half of my daughter's life um, was maybe one of the hardest years year and a half periods of my life um and she is funny and empathetic and strong and I love her to death and I was so sleep deprived and I was not doing my other work that I done in the world which is like this multi-dimensional healing work one-on-one and then in large groups um and so when this vision came it also felt like a necessity so that when we have a second child, that I'm making a choice not to repeat or get stuck in a situation where I feel powerless. Mm-hmm. I do think that sleep deprivation, it's hard to have power over that. That's a place yeah, where it's like, yeah. okay, I'm powerless. Now what? Like, now what yeah. do I need to adjust to take care of myself? Um, but this finding success in this felt necessary the survival of myself. I love that you said that because I think when any of us who build businesses, we, you know, sometimes it seems like this hyper altruistic mission. We Mm. build what we need. Totally. You know, and and we understand the need because we've experienced the need. We start to build things that we ourselves need. And other people need it too. And other people need it too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I love that. So it felt necessary and and Mm. it didn't feel like there was a choice like failure didn't seem like a choice. I, I love that. I love that. You know, you think about like optionality in general and maybe may an idea, an idea that I hear a lot in like startup culture lately is this idea of fail fast. Like I didn't, I didn't come to fail mm. on anything that we started because yeah. I, I couldn't, I mean, you either die or you succeed. It's I, only so long. I you remember, know? yeah, <laughs> like, I hear 
so many people say that and I'm like, I get it. I just don't want to. Yeah, it's like um, life isn't that long to begin with. <laughs> How do you know you failed? You, and I know, yeah. If it's your mission, you have to make it happen. So yeah. you get one shot. Yeah. your life. Yes. And so that felt necessary. And, and so there were times, though, say, like, a lot of people sign up closer to the end of something. Yeah. And there were times... So practicing fear is a, is a great thing, too. So, like, I hate getting on the phone in general. So to make a cold I call is pretty much how the worst. Fear. So um, I talked to you, too, and you were talking about stress tests. Like, every bad thing that happens to us, we can be like, oh, F. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the victim here. I don't know what I'm allowed to say in here. I'm oh, yeah, the victim we, we here. Can I can curse. The rails um, here. I'm the victim. Or yeah. this is a stress test. What can I do with this situation and how can I grow, shrink or grow? I love that. Um, So when I was asked to make some cold calls to gyms, one thing is that I believe in what we're doing. So suddenly it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to annoy people. It was more like, no, I have something so cool. And if they could just get it, then this would be amazing. You're not asking for any favor. No, when I realized, like, dude, I am bringing these people to you, and I just want you to know. They're going to want it or not want it, right? But it was really scary to make those calls nonetheless. Yeah. And so I just looked at it before I made the calls, and I said, oh, this is just a stress test. This is, I'm just practicing fear. And Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot, Mm -hmm. right? And he talks about Seneca and how Seneca, um, I don't know if Seneca said this or this was Tim's interpretation, and Mm -hmm. so Tim has his, like, party pants. Mm -hmm. And so he wears, like, so without telling anybody, like, this is why I'm dressed in these crazy pants, Mm -hmm. you just dress in a way that people will judge you and say things about you and then say, is this what I so feared? Which is so fantastic. And so that's a question that I ask myself when I'm doing something, is this what I so feared? And so I had one person pick up the phone, and she was not thrilled to talk to me. And I hung up, and it didn't feel good. And I said, like, is this what I so feared? And, and oh, and that's not so bad. And I wrote her a letter, like, uh, uh, just like, hey, I hear you. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like, being right. a one-woman show is hard. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It wasn't, like, trying to get anything else from her. It was just like, yeah. let's connect. Um, it didn't, it didn't it feel somewhat good when that after you did it, the world kept spinning? The world keeps You know, spinning. you think it's going to come and crashing down. And other people down, were like, oh, didn't. I had no idea. I'm so glad you called. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I got a lot of answering machines. Yeah. But that was what, when doing something like that that I don't love doing, I looked at it as a practice of fear. I love that. And like stepping into it. And, and so those are really small, easy, attainable things to mm-hmm. do. Um, sending out newsletters is super yeah. scary to me because they're usually, they'll usually have a tool that someone can use and they're usually somewhat personal. And yeah. I always wonder, am I going to borrow bother someone that's a yes. fear of mine am I yes, going to bother yes. someone um, and usually I get back like I get a really good open rate and I get back mm-hmm. emails saying thank you so much this was so useful Yes, but I have to get over the initial am I going to bother somebody and that's a fear of mine and I have to just like step into it and give it step a try it and, train it. and so that. I'm just saying like on a day to day basis when there are little things that you can try to do do them mm-hmm. and ask yourself is this what I was so afraid of is this what I so fear I love, I love that. I love, you know, we look at training and adaptation in every other realm of life. Like, oh, I want mad pull-ups. Mm. Well, I'd have to do one pull-up. Yeah. I'd have to learn how to do a pull-up. And I, you never start with 20 pull-ups. We don't start with five-minute miles. We don't start with anything that we haven't adapted to train. Yeah. But then this big monster kind of in a box, which is fear, this almost undefinable word, we haven't seen a lot of, like, training systems built around it. So I love, this is a big goal of the podcast. And what if, how to train fever. what if like another one, so, um, 
what if every time that you had a small vision, like something mm-hmm. like, wouldn't this be interesting? What if you practice saying yes to the really small yes. visions so that when it's a bigger vision, it's not as hard to say yes. Like, okay, it. I've yeah. done it before. Mm-hmm. And I usually find that even if I'm uncomfortable and I usually go through a um, transition period where I'm like, oh shit, mm-hmm. what did I do? Yeah. Um, that the world rises up to support me. It's incredible when that happens. It's so reaffirming. You know, I remember a year in business development for me where I committed to just saying yes. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to intellectualize this. I'm not, if an opportunity comes, unless it seems dangerous, yeah. I'm going to say yes because I want to see what's in that box. Yeah. And I'm going to open boxes this year that I never would have looked into. Yeah. And I had offers come my way that I was like, nope. And I said, no, actually, yes. And I found amazing things in those boxes. What a great exploratory year about just saying yes instead of yeah, instead of shutting conversation and, down. And listen, here. like, so my friend Kate Northrup has this whole thing of do mm-hmm. less. And so then mm-hmm. it would be like, say no, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. say no. If it's not a hell's yes, say no. And a lot yes. of people, like, have that. Like, if it's yes. not a hell's yes, say no. So it's just what stage are you in? Are you in the stage where, like, I just are you see in a yes in stage or a no stage? Yes. Or do you need more? I love my that. like the yes I'm suggesting is mm-hmm. like. A vision. I'm really yeah. big into visions. Like if mm-hmm. something is coming to you, there's a reason it's coming That's to you. That's what it was, yeah. It's a muse, and I'm saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, if it excites me, I'm saying yes, even if it scares me. Yes. So it's not, does it scare me or not? It's like, does it excite me or not? Mm-hmm. And if it does, can I say yes to it? And there are always reasons not to that seem very real. There are so many realistic reasons. They seem reasons. so real. And, and, and a beautiful Money's question. Money's a big one. Money's a big one. There's so many reasons. You <laughs> yeah. know, I remember asking myself that year, yeah. can I learn from it? Mm. Can I learn something in there that I wouldn't learn otherwise? And I would think about that. I said, well, then yes. Yes to the opportunity. What can I learn there? Because I, I don't want to miss the lesson. Hmm. It came my way. It was like a passing bus. And hmm. I just didn't get on, you know? So it's yeah. like, just that when you're doing that, it was really, really kind of revelatory. Yeah. Because um, you can leave some judgment behind and just say, if you're that open to what am I going to, what can I learn? It's like. <sighs> I had a mentor once in my life and he instilled this in me. And it was such an appropriate time. But he would say, suspend judgment. And I thought I was developing this really mm. keen sense of intuition. So I thought that my judgment was becoming more and more valid. Mm. Suspend judgment, you have no idea. And I, I tried to work that into practices where he proved me 100% right. I had all this initial judgment. And when I suspended it, I found something on the other side. Sometimes mm. it was um, an indication that my intuition was growing. And sometimes it was like, oh, man, I was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was so dead wrong yeah. about this. I had no way to know. You know, I use prediction models and biases. Yeah. And, and it shook me of my prediction models and biases, and I found beautiful people you know, ideas. There's a quote that I love, and it's sometimes, gosh, I don't know why I want to keep swearing, but sometimes it's a bitch when, it, like, mm-hmm. when you don't want it to apply to you, which is you can either be right or you can be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and think of when you're in a really tough position with someone where you feel like they did you wrong. Yes. And you want to blame. Mm-hmm. And you can either be right mm-hmm. and be mad. Or you can, or you can like yeah. say, maybe there's another side to this that I can't see. And maybe I am wrong. I love and, that but it's you like said it's that hard you can to breathe into yeah. it. Yeah. But it's hard. Like when, when I'm actually in the moment of that, it's like, how could I be wrong? This person did this mm-hmm. or that. Or, well, I could be right or happy. Or I could be happy. You know, so what am I going to choose? You and I have a mutual interest in Dr. Andrew Huberman's work mm. out in Stanford um, around fear and the neurobiology of fear. But I, I, as an interesting thought on what you just said about being right or happy, I thought that at one point in my life I would find empathy if I went searching for empathy. And I mm. spent an entire year 
meditating and thinking about empathy. And I didn't find it that way. Mm. I found it by learning how the brain works. Mm. And I found a universal empathy where I feel no judgment anymore because I realized what kind of data sets were all right and were all wrong. You know, (laughs) so whenever that happened, I thought, well, that person's 100% right and so am I. And we're also 100% wrong. Yes. Which is almost the accumulation of yes. data. So it was like finding empathy by accident through science, not spirituality, was, was a weird, one of those weird I love that. lessons that life taught me. Like, oh my God, we're all, you know, Bob Dylan had a line. He said, you're right from your side and I'm right from mine. Mm. I was like, he knew. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he knew. <laughs> right. It's so true. I think for me too, understanding the nervous system, the habits well, and like the, is... the loops that I could say like, oh, this was patterned into them to be in yes. this type mm-hmm. of relationship. So you have to know that by entering a relationship with this person who's used to these things, that they will try to trigger those same 100%. things of how they know, like, they're used to screaming. So this is how, it's the tool that because it's like, that's how they're wired. That's how their hormones are. That's how their mm-hmm. cells vibrate to allow certain hormones. And, you yeah. know, like, it's on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. And to make those changes is uncomfortable. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love I love this because the thing that inspired me the most about Andrew's work, and it draws me to Leverage, it draws me to the entire movement for, um, whatever you want to call it, personal development, self-development, optimization, human, whatever you want to, how you want to term it, is like, when we think about our capacity for a self-directed neuroplasticity, mm. the brain's being wired all the time. Mm. Like, you go on Facebook, it changes your brain. You watch a YouTube video, it changes your brain. We change each other's brains all the time. And I love to think that we can either be in the backseat, you know, kind of looking out the window. We can Mm. be at the steering wheel Mm. or it can be this combination of both where thinkers influence one another. And you basically say, by being in my tribe, I'm going to allow you to change my brain. I'd like to change yours. We're going to become, there's a quote by um, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, which is my favorite quote at the moment, which is, it takes more than one brain to create a mind. Mm. So you yeah, think yeah, our yeah, little yeah, tribe, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, totally, totally. we have a mind. Yeah. It makes it really important to choose the chimps you chill with, right? It's right. like the five chimps theory. You're, you're choosing them <laughs> <laughs> really selectively because you're like, we're going to create a universal mindset. I've heard you're like your five friends, but your five chimps is really funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the chimps that you chill with. Um, <laughs> I love so, that. So one place that I know that you explore, um, and I do as well, and we have a little bit together, is temperatures. Yeah, I love how you entered that because you were thinking the five chimps I chill with. I was, yeah, chill, chilly, <laughs> oh, chill, water. Like, I have a group of women <laughs> that we could call my five chimps, I guess, well, you, that you I chill have, with. You have a beautiful tribe. I do. You know, you, I can tell just by kind of hanging a little bit, like the They're tightness and the solidarity. Amazing. Yeah. And, and I wonder, too, as we get into these ideas around temperature, if that expedited the ability to get close being in mm. extreme heats or extreme mm. cold. So as a lead-in, to be clearer to the audience, I know that you love sauna, high temps, and you've mm-hmm. explored quite a bit with cold temps, mm-hmm. cold water. I'd love to hear more about like what that practice is for you, what role fear plays in it, and has it, mm-hmm. has it built a stronger bond between you and your I love the five that. chimps I, that you chill with? I wouldn't have thought that it created a stronger bond with the five chimps I chill with, but you're right, it does. Because it's extreme. It is extreme. Um, I have loved... Loved is a strong word that I've, I've engaged in cold water since I was little. Yeah. Like I want to be the first person in the pool in April. What do you think drew you to that? Um, the feeling you get after it. Okay. The feeling of, and this is something that I'm, I'm kind of working with as well. I think that it's like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. But I've always watched my dad. Um, my dad always jumps into the water. So if we're on a boat and it's really cold water in mm-hmm. Maine, He's going in and he's going under. And if we 
I like the Queechee Gorge with the water going so fast, and he yeah. can hold his breath underwater for like minutes at a time. We're like, is he gone? Is he? And he comes up, he's like, oh, you should have seen the underside of the rocks. And, um, he's, so cool. and we're like, oh. Um, but when you jump in, it's, it's very symbolic of jumping into life. Like yeah. you can watch mm-hmm. and be an observer yeah. or you get in the arena. When I went to Hawaii, I went with my friend who lives lived there. And so I got to f- see all these places that I feel like were hidden gems. And we'd go to the waterfalls and it was one thing to just be in awe of them. Right. But then to be in it, to mm-hmm. actually, and the water is cold. It's Hawaii, yeah. but the waterfalls, waterfalls are normally very cold. Um, there is something for me that's very magical. When I go underwater, it clears everything for me. And when it's cold, it just heightens all of my senses. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first met Janelle, who, who owns Lila Yoga, mm-hmm. we were going to have our meeting in her sauna. And she said, any chance you want to jump in the ocean? And you were like, this is I was like, yeah. This is exactly And she what was like, do. whoa, this girl wants to. And, uh, and so I went my way, which is like to run and dive in mm-hmm. and then come out. And she walked in so slowly. Like a meditation. Approach. And so yeah. I thought I was all badass, just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. diving in. And I watched her walk in, and I was like, whoa, that is badass. Mm-hmm. And that, like, and so now we have a group of five, five of us who go at least once a week, all mm-hmm. the way through the winter. The water's about 30 degrees right now, or 33 degrees. Um, it can be, you know, five degrees out, 17 mm-hmm. degrees, wind is blowing, and we walk in slowly and we breathe and we practice breathing. And um, one person kind of starts to see <laughs> visions like her vision. Got, and another one gets really clear. Like she feels like she can yeah. see further. And for me, I feel like when I do an ice bath in particular, I can hear better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a really quick way to go into a meditation, almost like rock Beautiful. climbing for yeah. me, where it's like your senses are so heightened mm-hmm. and you're so present because it feels almost life and death. And yes. so you have to get present. Yes. Um, I can wander like crazy with my brain, but mm. when I'm in the ice, you're 100. I'm there. I'm 100 there. Um, so you're probably right too that you know choosing people who are willing to do that. It's, it's, so it's, it's like I'm choosing. It's, I'm choosing that, right? people who are willing to jump into life in general and be mm. uncomfortable for a second. Yes. So that maybe the rest of your day will be better, or maybe you're clear, or you it. feel inspired. So when we leave. The workout that we do, we usually do a workout mm-hmm. too. Um, it's like it's a it's a added bonus that we might get in better shape. Right. Yes. It, you know, it, it being in the gym, you know, fitness industry, that that's you, if you find a movement practice that prepares you for life, yeah. you'll look in the mirror one day. Oh, cool! I got fit. Like, yeah. That was weird how that happened. Totally. You I just landed like, on your shoulder. Like, I, <laughs> yes. There were yes, times yes. where I was like, oh, I feel stronger, or I'll be real here. I was like, oh my. My ass looks better in the jeans today. Like I was like, oh, that just happened. It's so it's such a beautiful lesson. Oh shit, I'm not strong enough, Mm -hmm. or I don't look good, or it was none of that. It's just like I want to be with my ladies. I want to do something that's going to make me feel better for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And so working out does that. Sauna does that. Water does that. Um, There's not a ton of there's a there's apprehensive. I think there are a lot of masks This is what I want to get really deep into. You know, uh, someone explores cold a bit myself is like, how do you, what is your breathing beforehand? How do you mm. prepare to enter the environment that you're in? And how, at what point does control, at what point do you have control mm. of the wheel? And at what point do you have to let it go to the cold, mm. to the water? Mm. Um, so I think for me, fear has a lot of different masks 
Um, so I might be apprehensive mm-hmm. and like, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. But I've already decided I'm going to do it. Right. And so I do it. So and being being with a group makes it a little easier. So Doesn't... if you're not sure, so most people who visit me in Maine are 100% sure they don't want to go in the ocean, but they usually end up going mm-hmm. in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and because I feel like they feel they feel that energy that there is something good here and it might be uncomfortable for a second, mm-hmm. and then they leave on such a high. Oh, and I love being able to introduce that. And one of the women who goes in with us, she is 41 now. And I think before she started hanging with us, like she wasn't really into going into anything that wasn't warm. Yeah. And when she did the first cold plunge, I feel like she's just like, yep, I'm doing this. Like it, it's... Doesn't it open your, your whole worldview to what training is? Mm. In that, like, everything's a training opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Everything is. And mm-hmm. if we have one way to train, you know, I have so many people in the gym environment who are runners. And if they can't run, they just stop training because they, they, they had mm. one tool. But if you have an unlimited number of tools, train your breath, you train presence, connectivity, cold and heat, communication... So this this brings me to the the why, yeah. Right. So listen up, people. This is important. This is yeah, important. Let's get your why. No, but this, is, this is this is so important. important. It's the most um, important why. So Danielle Laporte, if you guys don't know her, check her out. She's amazing. Um, she has a book called I don't know what it's called. It's about core desired feelings, and that might be what it's called. The Desire Map is what it's called. Um, and she said, Yeah, you know, I was. She, you know, New Year's Eve, and she has out all these papers and drawing maps. And at some point, realizing you can hit every goal that you think you have and mm-hmm. still feel unfulfilled. And so her question then was, how do I want to feel? Yeah. And what would happen if I approached life with a question, how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. So this actually even goes back to my process with leverage, was which right. when I was scared and mm-hmm. didn't know if it was going to fill and didn't know if I was going to be in the red, I she had something that said, I knew you were coming, right? And, yeah. and it like reminded me, like, no, this is the place I want to be in. I want to feel connected. Yes. And so if I start doing leverage events and I start feeling fearful and disconnected, I know how I want to feel, and that's not it. So yes. I'm going to shift my mindset and say, like, I'm going back to the place of choosing connectivity, mm-hmm. choosing faith, choosing... And not, I'm not, like... I, I have faith... Again, I have faith in following a vision. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So I have... Faith that if I do the work and I follow something, like something good is going to happen. Yes. So core desired feelings are how do you want to feel? And if you're doing stuff that day that doesn't fulfill your how I want mm-hmm. to feel, yeah. stop. I, you know, yeah, stop yeah. and think about it again. So I want to feel alive. Right. I want to feel connected. And the third one changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll explain the third one in a second, but cold water makes me feel alive. Yes. Yes. Being connected brings me into the parasympathetic. Mm-hmm. So talking to you, talking yeah. to my girlfriends, having a good relationship, like a mm-hmm. strong, deep relationship with my husband, having something with my daughter. When my connection cup is full, I feel safe, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm willing to risk more. There we go. Right? That's... Um, I feel connected to source. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a place of fear, I don't feel connected at all. I feel I isolated. That. I feel alone. I feel like I don't have the skills. And excitement and fear run through the same neural pathway as mm-hmm. one just has a sensation of support. Yes. And the other, you think you're on your own. Yeah, you're isolated. I really, that is such a valuable for everybody listening. Thank you for saying that because that's such a valuable lesson. 
um, for everybody to take away. Um, and what I'd love to know, I, I think you and I are really blessed. Maybe we created this to a degree by choosing our chimps, but we have this supportive community. Mm. What would you say to somebody on the other end of the mic who is dealing with some level of self-limiting fear and maybe didn't have a community who really was into having these conversations because they're hard conversations? Um, maybe not as advice, mm. but just as words of, of, of compassion or warmth or thoughts from your heart. Mm. So somebody who is on the other end who is feeling isolated. Yeah, isolated, maybe dealing with some type of self-limiting fear, but doesn't have that community of people to jump into the water with or to hit the trails with Mm. um, or to even talk like this with. I don't know if this sets me... To feel connected, you don't have to be around people. Mm -hmm. I love that. It helps, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't always help. You can be in a room of people and And feel totally isolated. (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't fit in here. Yes. Um... I go into the woods and I feel taken care of. Like, I feel like, oh, I'm with Mother. I'm with Mother Earth. Like, mm-hmm. everything is good. I walk in the woods and every fear that I had before I go, and same thing, like, I jump in the water and every emotional, all the emotional baggage, like, everything goes away when I'm yeah. in those places. So I would say experiment with what is that for you. I love that. Is it walking in the woods? Is it jumping in the water? Is it dancing? Like, yeah. do you turn up the music and just mm-hmm. like let it rip? Yes, yes, yes. You know, so cool. is it singing? And when you start to connect, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak from this like airy fairy vibrational level, even right. though there is science right, right, behind right, right. it. <laughs> your vibration does change. And let's talk a little science. Mm-hmm. Your reticular formation in the back, like in your brainstem, it's, we have so much stimulus that's coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. And it purposely, after it starts to see something a lot, you stop seeing it, right? Yes. So if the clock is in the same place all the time or something's out of place and it bothered you at first, usually you stop seeing it after mm-hmm. a while because it's not important. If you start thinking like, oh, I don't know, I kind of want this black Jeep, suddenly you're going to start seeing black Jeeps everywhere, everywhere and you're going to think it's a sign, but it's your reticular your... formation. Yeah, it. And it's mm-hmm. looking for what you're looking for. That's beautiful. And so if you yes. are looking for connection and you're doing the things that make you feel connected... Mm-hmm. So for me, like with Sophia, even I, the other feeling was I wanted to feel alive. Mm-hmm. So the first year, I took a lot of cold showers because yeah, I felt yeah. so sleep deprived and was feeling disconnected. So that was the first step of like what helps me feel that way. Mm-hmm. So you start to identify and just doing it on your own. And you will start to like when you're looking for community and tribe, look for it. Like just write it down. I find that writing down a dream starts the process. Even if I never look back oh, yeah. at that binder again, I'll look mm-hmm. back five years later and be like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like I have exactly what I wrote down there. It starts yes. a subconscious process. Mm-hmm. So, um, number one, get clear on what you want. Yeah. Right. Someone has said, it's probably been said a zillion times. Clarity is power. Get clear. Clarity on, is power. Yeah. Get yes. clear on what you want. Like, who do you, like, who do you, what was your dream tribe? What's, um, how do you want to feel? And, and then start saying like, are these things, I do a five minute journal guys. You, mm. um, Maybe I can send that, like, link it up to here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole bunch of links on the Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, so definitely. Five-minute journal every morning, yeah. and you can say, like, what are you looking forward to? And then mm-hmm. you can say, oh, cool, I'm not going to do, like, this ten things on the list. The, I'm gonna, the things I'm looking forward to, the things I'm grateful for, um, my affirmations, and I do my core yeah. desired feelings. And then at night, 
what were your wins? And you might realize even on a shitty day that you mm-hmm. have a lot of wins. Yes, that you never you and, have taken time and to And then no longer are you victim because you start to say, these things didn't go the way I wanted. How could I do it differently? And you start to choose your life and make more decisions. So you're out there, you're by yourself. Get clear on how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And what are little things that already make you feel that way? And do more of those. And you will start to, like those people that you want in your life will start to come to you. Yes. But it's like, you almost have to change your own inertia first. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like posture. So let's, uh, no like, if way. you don't mind, like, let's do a quick, no, yeah. So, um, if you just like, it's so small, but if you just like, think of the back of your ears and you start to move the back of your ears back in space, right. And the shoulders kind of move back in space and your eyes start to take more of a peripheral view. Your breath will start to slow down. And you'll start to see things differently. When I'm like this and staring in my eyes, or we even did that in the breathing, right? When your yeah, eyes are really focused of, and forward. A lot of vision work on that, yeah. Your breath changes and you go into parasympathetic nervous system. So just by changing to like more of a peripheral view, like you're looking at the horizon, the tension in your neck changes, your breath changes, what you see changes, what you can pick up changes, who you talk to, how you talk to them. Um, Amy Cuddy professor at Harvard did an amazing study and she just found two minutes in power postures changes so that your cortisol, like your fight or flight or freeze, Mm -hmm. that goes down. Testosterone goes up, which is an action hormone. So if you have Mm -hmm. action on top of clarity, people are going to want to be around you. They want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. But if you have testosterone on top of cortisol, yes, you're a scary beast. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to be defensive and and they're going to be shut down to you. Exactly. And so um, if your posture is like this and it's pretty like stuck like this, laying on a bolster. Yeah. These are little things, right? Uh, Like getting clear on what you want. Clarity is power. mm -hmm. Change your posture. Work on your posture. Be aware of it. And when you say these are little things, you know, there's a quote somewhere that like the little things are the big things. I mean, these are, this is the the 20% of changes that make 80% of results. Mm -hmm. I can enter different states of presence, different states of attention. With things like breath and posture, mm. that's no. I feel like there's no way that that doesn't apply. Mm. Um, you know, we t- teach that in high schools, where somebody is exactly as you said, they're staring at a small phone and they're they're heightening sympathetic tone. The shoulders roll forward and the breath uh, respiration rate increases, mm. and they wonder why they're feeling this like onset mm. of a subtle anxiety. Mm-hmm. We send so many powerful messages to our central nervous systems. I love how you pointed that out because clarity is power, and then action is power. Yeah, yeah, actions that action. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Once you have an idea and you actually move it into action, it shifts the energy. I love it. I just just quickly, that reminded me of Gabby, Gabby Reese. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was talking, we did an XPT with Gabby and Laird and it was, and Brian. Yeah. yeah. I can't say it was off the hook. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. But she was talking about dopamine and serotonin. Yeah. And so dopamine is your reward hormone. Mm -hmm. And she said, every time you get a ding on your phone, it's a little dopamine hit. It's a little oh. dopamine hit. And she said, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes dopamine happens when you're alone and by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's momentary. And serotonin is something that you build in community. Yeah. So when you're in relationship with each other, and oxytocin too, which brings mm-hmm. you yes. to your higher brain, yes, yes, right? Yes. Oxytocin happens through touch mm-hmm. and hugs and connection. And these all happen in community, which is part of leverage, which is like, I love online content and... Let's get together. Like, let's see each other. Let's touch each other. Let's hug each other. Let's Mm -hmm. look eye to eye. Um, 
so yeah, that just reminded me, like you know, kids who are always on their devices without and the other Steve elements. Steve and I are too, of, yeah, yeah without. Sure. But like, mm-hmm. if this is your main way, then your posture, your breathing, your nervous system, your eyes, what hormones you're getting—it's all shifting. Yeah. I mean, it becomes very, very hard at that point to take power postures or agency over presence in actual human interactions. That that that's definitely um, something. Where, that's a skill. Yeah. It's a skill. Yeah. Communication. And that's where it's like lion, you know, like, are you the victim Mm -hmm. or are you going to say, I I choose to be here? Yeah. Now what? I love that. Well, one closing question, because this conversation has been incredible. Mm. It's so amazing having you on. A question we're going to ask everybody and Mm -hmm. let them take it to the extremes or to a very logical place. It makes no difference to me, but it's a question Mm -hmm. we're going to ask everybody. And do anything wrong with it. Back right out out of the screen. I'm out. So what would you do in your life right now if you had no fear? Okay, so first I told you that I think that fear is helpful. That you've been you've been someone my who uses father, it. Very yeah, so my well. father when yeah. when I did my first hundred hour training, I'd love to tell the story real quick. Yeah, no, take uh, I was twenty seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't even taught a two hour workshop. Yeah. My teachers in Costa Rica who had been teaching for forty years asked me if I would teach a hundred hour training for them and I was their first student to develop a hundred hour platform for mm-hmm. them. And it was on anatomy. And I was like really into like, I'll do yoga for athletes because I do, like I was working with professional athletes at the time. um, And I had done two and a half years of research and development for sports. Mm -hmm. But then I had this, like this part of me that was like, fuck yeah, like I'm the best person for this. I Mm -hmm. understand the nervous system from a a training perspective. I understand the body from a gait and posture Mm -hmm. and movement and daily and from yoga and so I had this like big ego part of me that was like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I was, it was like four o'clock in the morning. My dad was driving me to the airport and I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Who did I think I was? And I said to my father, how is it possible that I could have one part of me with this huge ego right. and I could have another part of me that was like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And my dad said something and I, I know I'm rephrasing it somehow, but he said, that part of you that wonders who do you think you are make sure that you fulfill the side of you who knows who you are and what you can do beautiful and so that's kind of where I was like oh yeah this is really helpful yeah and Stephen Pressfield says like anytime that you feel he wrote um the I think the art of war or the war of art the war, the of, war art, of art right and and the other one's called do the work and they're okay, almost yeah. the same book mm-hmm. written slightly differently right um which is like anytime you realize, like if I am start to do a lot of laundry and dishes, mm. then there's something really important that I'm putting off. <laughs> like when I start getting done everything <laughs> yes, that yes, I've been yes. putting off, and suddenly I'm like yes, painting yes, yes, a yes. door, and <laughs> the I'm like, what? scary work is waiting right yeah, there for so you. So there's like fear is a really good indicator that something important is is about to happen yeah. if you just step into it. So one, it helps you fulfill it. Two, it it's an indicator that you're on the brink of something really important mm-hmm. and that you are doing the work that you're stepping into it. And the third thing is when I'm really afraid, then I have to go back to connection. So in that first training, I would stand outside. You have to imagine this like gorgeous pavilion that fits 50, 60 students, huge trees and tropical bushes all around you and monkeys around mm-hmm. you and the ocean is right near you, so it's just like a lot of high energy and lots of trainings that have happened. The energy is high, and so I would stop before I go in each time. 
And I would look up and I'd just, to whoever is listening, just say, help me to see what can't be seen, to hear mm-hmm. what can't be heard. Let me sense what I need to know and say what needs to be said. And I'd sometimes also kind of to pray the Archangel Michael, which I just call lovingly Michelangelo, because <laughs> Michael and Angelo. Anyway, um, to be able to speak clearly. Um, and when I feel really confident mm-hmm. and my ego is really big, I forget that I'm part of something bigger. Yes. So when I have fear, it reminds me that I'm small mm-hmm. and I'm part of something bigger. And I should probably slow down and tune into that. And I should ask for help. And so fear also asked me to ask for help, to reach out and to connect. Um, I I will say, so if I, the way that it does limit me is um, like right now, my, you know, Lacey said, I woke up the other night. I had these major downloads for you of like how, how we can grow leverage, like what's next. Mm -hmm. And We've been talking about how can I take, I have hundreds of hours of material that mm-hmm. I've been presenting for 10 years. Right. How could I then put myself also out there and say, and I'll offer these trainings. And mm-hmm. could we have a membership program yeah. where you get first offers for tickets at a discounted price and you get two trainings or three trainings with me every year and that I will provide material leading up to each event mm-hmm. so people feel well prepped for it so they can download more of it when sure. they're there. And then follow-up integration for the next two months because there will be four events a year. And so could we do this? And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Other people do that. I don't do that. Like that feels, I don't know if too big is the right word, but it feels like no one's going to want to be a part of my membership. Isn't that amazing how we (laughs) self-limit? And Ah, so the self-limiting is another form of fear. for sure. So I like to say like, mm -hmm. oh, fear is, it's got its place and it's super helpful but it is also I allow myself to through self doubt and and questions of worthiness. That is all yeah. another form of fear. That's another mask. And so that's where I know I have a lot of work to do, is to just step into that and say like, yeah, there's there's something. Like I'm saying to everybody, here's my journey. You want to come with mm-hmm. me? Yeah. I'm gonna like hold your hand, and I'm not gonna tell you there's one right way. I'm mm-hmm. gonna offer all these tools and all these thinkers. And guess what? I have something to say too. And, and I think it's, I think you're going to get something from it. Because a lot of people who came wrote to me to say, like, I came not because I knew who was coming. I came because I've seen your work. They trusted I believe, you. I believe in what you do. I love it. And I thought if you thought this was cool, then there's probably something to oh, it. God, I um, so I think that if I didn't have fear, I would step onto that stage more, which is something that I have done in the past and I feel fully alive. Talking about alive and connected. Yeah. I have to be connected mm-hmm. to speak what needs to be said, and I feel fully alive when I'm connected. And so, I would step onto the stage more. Sarah, I love this conversation. Mm. I love that we got to to sit and do this together and to share our our whole experience with fear and a little bit about our relationship. Mm. So much about so much great work about leverage. Um, I admire your journey and respect your work so deeply. So it's been such an honor to have you on this platform. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I feel the same way about you. I truly do. I'm not just saying that. I I love what you're doing. I love following you and seeing all the things that you're bringing to your gym and the world and beyond. So I talked about beyond the mat, shrink or grow. Yes. You're doing the same thing with courage as a skill. You're bringing things to people that they can do, the breath that they can do at any moment. 
I love it. Sarah, thank you again so much <laughs> thank for you. this. And that's oh, our that's our that's phones our phone. going off. That's that's My the other the life life hey, stuff coming you? into the conversation. Yeah. Um, I guess that that's our departure, but again, yeah. this was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for being on the platform. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in for a full hour. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. Peace out, you two girls. <laughs>